We're about to put the phrase tasting your own medicine to the test as we discover how a content creation company uses podcast content marketing to successfully drive new business and pick up some awards along the way. Worldwide, brands are engaging with customers through podcasts. These are the stories behind outstanding brand podcasts so you can listen, learn and be inspired by the best. These are the award winners from dustpod.io. Hello there, my name is Dusty Rhodes and you're very welcome to our award winners podcast. Vistatech are a global content solutions provider who provide text, audio and video content across many languages for multinationals worldwide. So when you see a website which asks what language do you prefer, that's the kind of thing that Vistatech does. They've used podcasts to successfully drive new business and to tell us more about how they did it, we're joined by their chief marketing officer, Simon Hodgkins. One thing that we learned as we went through the episodes and we grew the podcast was that if it's the same flavor all the time, it resonates with the same people all the time. And sometimes you need to just slight, you know, slightly go outside those boundaries to make sure that we're bringing those, those extra sort of adjacencies in. And that really helps because even our regular listeners and our regular supporters, they love it when there's a slight variant to it because it helps them think differently too. Simon is a marketer's marketer, and in our podcast today, he shares really practical information which has worked for him, from basics like how long episodes should be and how to cut down on the work in making them, to revealing the secret sauce that makes listeners want to get closer to a brand. But first, we started with the marketing message that Simon needs to get across for Vistatech. From a Vistatech perspective, the message really is about that content creates activity, it drives engagement, it helps companies to really reach and connect with the consumer, the buyer, the purchaser, the supporter, the the person that's within their global community. It helps companies to deliver that message correctly, to make sure that their brand essence is honoured that it, it, it is delivered with integrity and that it, it is also well received by their customer. Um, we would work at any moment in time with about 300 different languages. They would sort of be the sweet spot. And if you add dialects on top of that, it gets very complicated very, very quickly. So uh, without going into brand names, but if you just consider the biggest brands on the planet, they're pretty much customers of Vistatech at this stage. So that's the message that you're trying to get across to the world. From your point of view as a marketing person, what's the hardest part of marketing that message? Well, I don't know whether I would sort of frame it in the hardest part, but I suppose the challenge lies in awareness cut through. It's a busy environment. There are so many social media channels popping up all the time. We've got a new one at the time of recording popping up on and growing very quickly. So I suppose from a challenge perspective, it's about getting the cut through, making sure that your message is heard by your audience that you're trying to target. Now, that sounds simple on the face of it, but actually it's a very, very difficult game because it's noisy. We now have artificial intelligence. We have bot farms. We have 
content that maybe isn't helpful. We have user-generated content, which has exploded. It's not just brands talking to consumers now. It's consumers talking to consumers. But the brand is no longer something that you own. It's the thing that gets said about you when you're not in the room. Why did you think a podcast would help in getting your message across? The reason we started it was because, A, uh, I think we had a different story to tell, and we knew it would be talking to the kind of companies that we're interested in engaging with. The more big brands, in my case, that you talk to, the more people who aren't in that community want to be part of that community. Uh, The more people start listening, the more people start recommending it, the more companies actually want to talk to us. So back to your question, how does the podcast help? Well, it helps with engagement because you reach and you build relationships with people. It helps because you're sharing information out into the community that you want to talk to. So you're building a listenership, you're building real relationships. And I think that's a very important part. Sometimes they're actually stronger relationships. The other thing that we found, and I'll finish on this, um, it also levels up the relationships that we have with people. So if we're already doing business with somebody and we get them on the podcast, we find that that relationship is enhanced by that discussion. And it's, that's really the sweet spot. That's the secret source. And it's that secret source that people listening to it go, I want to get closer to this organization. I want to get closer to this brand. But we have, we have been very fortunate. It's been very successful from day one. That sense of relationship works because Simon delivers interesting people with interesting stories. Like in this episode example, where he speaks with HubSpot's Beth Dunn, whose journey saw her assist the company's growth from 50 to 8,000 employees. And like all great stories, Beth didn't start at the top. So my my journey really did start at HubSpot. I mean, I my background is in writing and editing, and then into marketing um, in the nonprofit world. I was a I was a proofreader for Random House Publishing for a really long time um, as a freelancer, as a work from home from way back. Um, and then I was in nonprofit in marketing and communications. And then you know, in the early two thousands, when that um, social media revolution was really starting to happen. That was when I, no, sorry, late 2000 aughts, right? Um, That was when I really wanted to get involved in that. And I saw what HubSpot was doing in that world. And so I decided, you know what, I really belong in tech. And so I joined HubSpot and it was one of those things where I didn't care what role I was in, you know? And back then they uh, onboarded basically everybody, hired basically everybody in a customer support role, just about everybody. That was like the entry-level role. And and there's no better training in my experience um, than to start off on the front lines, um, helping customers every day. So I was onboarding customers every day um, with no thought of anything called UX writing or content or anything like that. I was just helping customers grow their businesses using our software. You've got a terrific lineup of guests now. And as you say, you've more people (laughs) lined up than you could possibly even talk to. But when you were starting the podcast and it was brand new and had no track record, uh, how did you get guests for the podcast? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think initially we had a couple of people that were quite warm and friendly to us. So we kind of asked them, would they they like to be involved in helping us kick this off? And that, that kind of worked. We also interviewed a few of our key members of our own organization. 
uh, and that helped get a little bit of traction initially too. And then within a few short months, we really have never had a problem getting really good guests. What kind of time commitments uh, do you have when you're preparing an episode? Well, I, I don't know what you find, but the longer the episode is recorded for, normally the more great content you end up with if you've got the right guests, and therefore the more editing that needs to be done, the more the more show notes that need to be done, the more articles need to be written. So we try to limit it now to about 30 minutes as the sweet spot. Now, I'm the worst culprit because sometimes if we get really into something, it will go over <laughs> and, and I will get reminded by my great team behind the scenes that, you know, I'm not helping. But uh, I, I think having, having a process in place is something that we really had to do. I wouldn't say initially, but it became very obvious as the months clicked by that unless we put this into a proper business process, a proper workflow, we were going to be in trouble because it, it, it is just, it's a lot to keep a regular show going. And everything from inviting the guests, the process of how that works, the information you share ahead of the episode, the topics that you want to talk about, and then there's the editing, and then there's the the writing, and of course with the organization and this one podcast we're speaking about today, you know, making sure that that has the right uh, feel, that it's on brand, that the titles are right, the H1s, the H2s, the SEO, the article that accompanies it, the promotion of it, whether that's organic or paid or social media, all that goes around the back of it. And I don't want to frighten people off because I think if people want to get into podcasting, they should. It is a great medium for reaching people and for communicating and for building community. But I think the earlier you can implement, at least my my two cents would be, the earlier you implement an effective workflow that works for you and works for your audience, the better. Otherwise, you will think you'll be on top of everything, but you won't. Do you work your system on your own or do you uh, get outside help? We, we have a small team internally and we also have some external help too. Uh, so we're a little bit, a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B. But right now, we, it, we're pretty much on autopilot when it comes to the workflow process. We pretty much know what works. We know how to produce the content that our audience likes. We know how to grow. We've always got five or six in the can ready to go. We have a calendar of guests throughout the year. But I don't think it's something that comes natural to people the minute they get into it because you, you're kind of excited to get into podcasting. You kind of have a bit of a passion about it. And then all of a sudden you realize that it, it's kind of a business. Yes, you can have fun. Yes, you can enjoy it. Yes, you still need to keep the passion alive. But there are certain tasks that must be done on certain times. Uh, and then you've got to host it everywhere. And then, you know, all that stuff has to be taken care of. And if you're a one-person band doing that, it's possible how much of that you can do and what the frequency is and do you need to do other things in your day? That's the key question, but yeah. When it comes to frequency, how important do you think frequency is when you're publishing a podcast? I'm a convert. I'm a convert on the frequency rules. So I think it's exceptionally important that people know that your podcast drops on this day each week. Because some people, not everybody, but a growing percentage of people know that a certain podcast is coming out on a certain day and the new episode will be there. Yes, the podcast tool that you're using to listen to it on will tell you and it'll go to the top of your feed, whether you're listening on a podcast app or Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to it. But I do think that we've seen more traction since we got very, very firm on consistency. 
it was like trajectory went north rapidly. I mean, it was a, it was an upward curve. Uh, it played such an important role um, that it, it's just something that's hardwired in at this stage. Now, I have spoken to podcasters who do even better than I do, uh, and there's quite a lot of them out there who say, well, when I get around to it, I'll publish the episode, and if somebody's got to wait another week for the episode because I'm too busy, that that's okay. But we saw rapid growth when we got to frequency. Yeah, it's a consistent frequency, I should say. Still to come, Simon talks about how he promoted the launch of the podcast, the number of different ways he measured success, and the one surprising thing that worked better than all else to drive audience growth. If you feel a brand podcast could work for you, here are three simple things you can do today to get started. One, visit our website to get more information and guides on how podcasts work specifically for brands, along with lots more examples of award-winning brand podcasts to inspire you. Two, you can call us with your questions and we're happy to help. Three, you could consider working with us so you do all the fun stuff and we do everything else. Find that information on our website at dustpod.io. Back to our conversation with Simon Hodgkins, Vistatech's Chief Marketing Officer, who believes that delivering consistency and value will help you achieve big goals. But first, he tells us how he launched the Vistatech podcast and grew the audience. Well, I suppose we, we, we use some well-trodden paths here in terms of press releases and social media promotion and a little bit of paid promotion. But the power of newsletters really works as a complement to our podcast because we have this ever-growing community that has very high open rates, unheard of open rates for newsletters today. We have more people joining it every month. Every time we push out the episode, it grows. And that has been a great vehicle to be able to continue to grow the messaging and to share, here's the latest episode, here's what we're talking about, you know, here's who's coming up, et cetera. And at the moment, the frequency for this particular podcast we're discussing is two episodes per month. So we we have two short messages that go out to our community every month that tells them about the latest episode. But then we have other newsletters that they also cross-pollinate into, which then helps us to get wider messages across to various groups. And I suppose as well, having guests that are part of large communities doesn't hurt either, because if your guest is in a company that's got 30,000 employees, that kind of helps straight away, you know. Can I ask you, uh, Simon, about um, your experience in building an audience? Because a lot of people, when you go out there in the world first, you've, for the first two, three episodes, it's like, yay, we've had loads of downloads. And then it kind of drifts off, it's people, you know, and then it starts to build again. What was your experience? Yeah, that's a great question as well, because it's kind of a bit like riding a roller coaster, being a podcast host or a podcast promoter, because one minute it's euphoria, the next minute you go, well, that was a disaster. So some episode, the only way I can answer it, honestly, Dusty, is to say some episodes that you think are going to be the episode, this is the episode that's going to make me. It doesn't work. Nobody's interested in it. And you, you're kind of blindsided by it. So with all your wisdom and all your expertise and all the love and attention you've poured into a particular episode, sometimes that one just doesn't work. 
And then sometimes the episode where you think, well, that was all right. It's okay, <laughs> you know, and it just goes boom. So luckily when you build up enough episodes, and you know this over mm. time, you then start to see trends and you can start to see, well, these kind of conversations work a little bit better. So we'll maybe lean into that a little bit more and maybe lean out of this a little bit less. And and that kind of helps. But the thing I would say is, honestly, I wouldn't get too hung up on the vanity metrics, meaning if you're constantly chasing downloads and you're constantly chasing the likes and the comments and the, the growth, you're going to miss the more important factor, which is build value into your content for the long term. Deliver meaningful content that you're passionate about and it will start to happen. Because otherwise you you become metric hungry and then when things don't go well or things take a change or the algorithm change or something goes wrong, something happens, you haven't built that solid foundation of providing value to your audience. And your audience, I find, will, will come back if you consistently share value, if you share value, they will show up a little bit for you, the host, but mainly for the value that you're sharing with them. So for me, they are important and you have to make sure those metrics are heading in the right direction. But when they take a dip, don't worry about it too much because there is that roller coaster effect. And as long as the trend over time is ticking upwards, it's going to be okay. Downturns happen in every market, you know. Let, let me ask you then about time, because, you know, we understand this, but you always have people upstairs in the C-suite and they're kind of going, oh, we want the numbers, that's all they care about. Time-wise, what, what advice would you give to people to, for, for what kind of time to dedicate to a podcast before you kind of evaluate it? The politician's answer is it depends. So <laughs> somebody said, but if you were a comedian and you were just starting off and you booked a venue and you sold 300 tickets and the venue only held 200, how excited would you be about turning up to that show? And I kind of went, you know, the penny dropped and I went, yeah, I got it. But I think the question is more related to, well, what happens when you're, you're doing a podcast for a business? You've got a board of directors. There's a C-suite involved. Why are we spending this money doing this type of activity? What's the benefit to the bottom line? How does this help us move forward? And for that, you really have to position it correctly. Setting the stall out for podcasting in a short-term measure, I would personally advise against it. Because if it's, if it's a, well, we'll try it for six months, and if it doesn't work, we'll stop doing it, is I would suggest not the right way to go about it. Because in your first year of podcasting, there is so much learning that you get while you're in motion that you will never get from the planning stage of it. This is a particular medium that I think you have to learn, you have to study, you have to understand, and it's a direct connection. What I mean by that is whether you're watching us today or in most cases with podcasts, you've got some earbuds in or some earphones, and I am talking directly into your ear. That's where the magic happens. For yourself, how do you measure the success of the podcast? Where do you kind of go, Grant, that's worked because, boom, what's the one thing that you would measure the success against? Yeah, so I suppose we have all the usual analytics, right? And various podcast platforms have various analytics tools built into them. So we build our own dashboards to measure certain things. Things like how long did the episode last? Who was the guest? What was the topic? 
how many people listened to it, what did people listen to it all the way through. The other thing I was going to say that we're quite fortunate about is we were at an event recently and uh, one of the people at the event said, oh, I was talking to and mentioned three really big potential customers and they were speaking to them about the podcast episode that had dropped in the previous month. Now, you can't really measure that in an analytical dashboard, but that in-person feedback about, well, three of the world's biggest companies was reciting some of the conversations that we were having, that anecdotal additional feedback, we try to build that in too. The last thing I, I, I wanted to say on this topic is we're more interested in what we get wrong than what we get right. If you tell us that it's going great and the podcast is working and everybody likes it and that person who we met at that event said it was fantastic, we don't actually learn anything from that. It's just, oh, that's brilliant. We learn most from the things that don't actually pan out the way we want it to. So we try to analyze analyze that a little bit more. Yes, of course, we double down on our strengths and we do what works, but we try to figure out why things aren't working. And I think sometimes when you are successful to a certain degree in one area, you can often take your eye off the ball and miss all this great learning that's over here. So we try to focus on that. And it's amazing what you do learn in its podcast. In this clip, CTO with global elevator giant Kane, Maciek Kranz, reveals how your smartphone can get you to the top floor even quicker. For example, if I if I go to um, uh, a high-rise building where, let's say, Kone office is located, um, my phone and my app would, would be able to interact with the infrastructure and, and um, uh, the building infrastructure would recognize me and say, okay, well, this is Maciek. He works for Kone and uh, um, he used to be, you know, come here a couple of times already. So we will give a fast lane to him so he can go through the turnstile Welcome, Maciek. And by the way, Maciek, there's an elevator waiting for you. It's elevator C, um, because we also checked with your permission, of course, that your first meeting is on the 12th floor and we'll take you directly to the first floor, right? Technology exists where you can do these things today. And it would be nice if we could roll out these types of solutions for all of us so that we can enjoy the smooth people flow experiences, as you mentioned. Yeah, and that, you know, hooking up that whole transportation logistics of moving humans around the planet, it's a fascinating subject. One last question for you, uh, Simon. Uh, what, what advice would you have for a marketer who's just kind of starting out and wants to make an impact with a podcast? I would say think bigger than you're thinking today. I wouldn't say we're going to give it a try. I would say view it in a manner that this is going to be a core part of your strategic plan to deliver meaningful content to, the, to your audience types. Ultimately, what we are building here is something we don't have today, which is a direct connection into here. Most businesses need to convince people on an individual level right? Most organizations are selling to people on a one-on-one basis, whether that's e-commerce or whether that's through, you know, retail bricks and mortar stores. 
you've got to build the relationships to some degree, whether that's through the packaging or the product or the advertising, in order to get that consumer to part with hard-earned money to buy your products or services and to keep using you and to recommend you. And I think podcasting is a really good way of not only helping people to promote and support your brand, but also to reach new audiences and reach new listeners that you maybe are not reaching through your other traditional marketing channels. Simon, you have gone and reignited my passion for podcasting. <laughs> Just chatting to you has been absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And you've been so giving of your time. I can't thank you enough for joining us on our award winners podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you would like to listen to Vista Talks or some of the episodes featured here on the podcast today, you'll find links to it in the description area of this episode on your player right now. Of course, if you're considering a podcast for your own company or brand, do remember you'll find some great resources on our website at dustpod.io. You can also arrange a call to chat about how a podcast could work for your brand specifically, or you could consider working with us so you do all the fun stuff and we do everything else. Until our next award winners podcast, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you for listening. The Award Winners is a DustPod production from dustpod.io.